Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pouring My Art Out podcast, episode 12, an interview with William Shakespeare. This episode is so monumental, so historical, and I mean that both figuratively and literally, that there will be no commercial interruptions. That is because we are going to attempt, for the first time anywhere, to interview William Shakespeare live on the air. How, you might be asking, are we planning to do that exactly? Well, let me tell you, it all just sort of fell into place. Jimmy and I were talking about how he and the other crack squirrels ended up living inside my head. He swears that they aren't just creations of my mind. They are not a manifestation of some mental imbalance. He says that he and the other crack squirrels exist as separate entities, and they chose my head because it felt warm and inviting, that my creativity perfectly matches that of their own, and that the harmonics are good, whatever that means. So I asked if that meant that they could have chosen some other person to inhabit, and he assured me that they could have, or still could, if they wanted to. This got us to thinking. We tried some experiments. We sent him out looking for other heads, so to speak. First, he tried some of the people close to me. He just looked around a little and then came right back. He said that most people are too busy-minded to be much fun. So we wanted to find someone who was the exact opposite of me to see what that was like. We put our heads together, if you see what I mean, and found the one person on the planet who is the most opposite of me. Someone with no creativity, imagination, empathy, sympathy, open-mindedness, or deep thoughts whatsoever. Someone who has never had an original idea, or even a good one. Well, Jimmy came back from his first visit to Donald Trump's head shaken, but he was willing to go back to that dark, scary wasteland for the sake of science. It turns out that if a person's mind is dull enough, the crack squirrels can actually get them to think and even say pretty much whatever they put in there. This made me nervous, but Jimmy explained that they never did that to me. I was interesting enough to keep them satisfied. They helped me run with my crazy ideas, but they didn't put them in there to begin with. By pure accident, Jimmy discovered that he could go into Trump's head at any time in Trump's life, up to the present. We don't know how that is possible. Maybe because the crack squirrels are imaginary creatures, they are not bound by the laws that govern nature. Jimmy jumped into Trump's brain at multiple points, particularly after he decided to run for the presidency. And Jimmy made Trump say some pretty stupid stuff. I mean ridiculously stupid stuff. Here's a fun game you can play. Go back and look at any recorded footage of Trump speaking and try to spot when his words are being guided by a crack squirrel and when they aren't. It is more challenging than it seems like it ought to be. So we started pondering how to use this magical ability that the crack squirrels have for this podcast. And we wondered how far back Jimmy could go. So we sent him looking for our caveman friend. You know, the one we were always talking about. The one who did the very first paintings on cave walls and invented the whole idea of art. And this is where it gets really interesting. Jimmy popped into the minds of cave people all over the place at different times in prehistory and couldn't find anybody who knew about the cave paintings. But when he went back to any time he had already visited, it turned out that a few cave people were doing the cave painting thing. Well, this is what we figured must have happened. By bringing the idea of using charcoal and natural dyes and colors to create art on cave walls, Jimmy and I actually planted the seeds that caused it to happen. So, yeah, we might have started art, 
And not only that, but because Jimmy was using words and concepts and combinations of words that were unknown, we might also have, inadvertently, mind you, caused the great mental leaps forward that led to language development, advanced tool use, and greater brain size and capacity. On top of that, there is a very real probability that because cave people heard a voice in their heads talking to them and passing on unknown wisdom, that we are responsible for the beliefs in gods and spirits and the religions that sprang from that. I am proud of the first two. I don't know how I feel about that last one. But the next time you are wondering if aliens came to this planet long ago and imparted wisdom to the primitive peoples, or if you are reading any holy text ever written, whenever a god or an advanced alien species is supposed to have played a part in mankind's development, try substituting Jimmy the Crack Squirrel who lives in Arthur's head. Okay, on with the experiment. Let's see if we can make contact with the immortal bard. Ready, Jimmy? I'm ready, Arthur. Okay, Jimmy, establish contact. Hey, Willie. Willie, can you hear me? Who cometh so uninvited into my private chambers? Show yourself, knave, so that I might have at thee. Try to calm him down, Jimmy. Tell him we just want to ask a few questions. Willie, it's me, Jimmy. Don't worry about it, man. We just want to ask you some stuff. Like, is to be or not to be even a question at all? It kind of seems more like a statement to me. Wallet, scoundrel, tis the only question worth the asking. Does man persevere in his struggle against the cruel vicissitudes of dastardly fate? Now we are getting somewhere. Thou beest not twixt bed and floor, nor in mine wardrobe. Step forth, foul spirit, and let me lay eyes upon thee. Jimmy, ask about his writing process. Willie, how do you come up with ideas to write about? Begone, hellspawn, spectre, Satan's minion. Hey man, I'm not a ghost, I'm a squirrel. I'm in your head. I don't think that's going to help. I sally forth to fetch a priest, for possessed I must surely be. Why do Romeo and Juliet have to die at the end of your play? I append no prose such as these. Of what speakest thou? Right, I didn't consider his timeline. Churlish, how governed bullspittle, incontinent, knotty-pated codpiece, insolent, motty-minded coxcomb, mannering dissembler, pestiverous, tripe-visaged miscreant. He seems a little upset, Arthur. Jimmy, abort, abort! Okay, bye, Willie. Spongy, sneeping, mushrump. Viperous parasite. Wanton scut. Well, see, it worked. Yeah, sort of. We need to work on that. Well, obviously we have some more experimenting to do. One thing that strikes me right away is the reaction of our test subject. In retrospect, I should have expected this. When we were working with the supposedly primitive cave dwellers, they didn't seem to be afraid so much as intrigued. I think this is because up until Jimmy and I started meddling, they had no concept of higher powers, no gods, but also no afterlife and therefore no ghosts. They had no superstition, whereas Shakespeare's time is awash with superstitions about witchcraft and Satan walking the earth and demons interacting with man. So now I wonder if Jimmy and I are responsible for all of that as well. 
So there it is, the story of how Jimmy and I more or less invented art, religion, advanced language, and reasoning, the supernatural, and began the advancement of cave people into modern humans. Also, it turns out that Jimmy and I are not the only imaginary creature to visit Mr. William Shakespeare. Jimmy just went inside William's head later when Willie was older. Here it is live as Jimmy whispers it into my ear. A letter from Mr. William Shakespeare to an individual named Sam I Am. Okay, I'm not going to try to do this with the English accent or anything, but, uh... Dear Sirrah, still no appetite for thy heinous concoction doth my tongue construe to desire. Neither hither nor yon would such tinted and perhaps tainted fare present itself less foully to my palate. I dislike the notion of consuming such victuals even within mine own dwelling, whereas being attended by a rodent during the course of such a repast seems ill-bethought. Likewise did the fox seem poorly put upon when I did but seek to inquire if he would care to join me in a supper of such surpassingly unusual color. And as for my retiring to the confinement of a box of suitable size to permit, whilst I did find the quietude fortuitous to composing verse, methinks it did but little to render my dislike of the plate placed before me into a true liking. Forsooth, I am far beyond the age where dining on a tree branch seems practicable. I knoweth not of this train of which thou spake, but I doth contend that verily no such conveyance of the future would do more to commend such a dastardly meal to mine stomach than any other of thine recommendations. And as for supping in inclement weather, wouldst thou indeed have me catch my death of consumption in such a manner? Nor wouldst consuming them upon the oaken deck of yon sturdy boat enhance the virtues of said ghastly repast. And whilst questioning thy advice to devour them in the presence of a barnyard animal, their taste would be to me no more appealing were said goat well nigh at hand. In short, my good Sir Samuel, I still but belikest me little of thy offering of eggs and ham the color of foliage, nor does the prospect of swallowing any foodstuffs that do take on such hues as might be seen amongst the hills and vales of Ireland suit my fancy. Green, I bethink me, tis a far more becoming color than it is a flavor. Therefore, I sadly restate my refusal to partake of thee thy kindly rendered invitation to sup with thee on this particular dish. Though I take thee at thy word that the verdant overtones of this repast is due not to rot nor rancidness, still do I pray of thee, tempt me not further upon this course. I liketh me not this breaking of my fast with eggs and ham whose visage is thus despoiled. Your obedient servant, W. Shakespeare, Year of Our Lord, 1602. Well, there you go. Also, I would like to give a very big thank you to Malcolm in England. He's sort of a newer member of the family. Uh, and all of our other cousins in England. Malcolm, you did a great job doing the William Shakespeare voice. Thank you so much. If you're curious about uh, seeing what any of our cousins from across the pond look like, you can go back on my blog to our uh, last trip to Europe and look at the English parts. Or you can look at the uh, posts I did when they came and visited us here in San Diego and we taught them what real Mexican food and good margaritas taste like. Okay, until next time, bye people. Bye people.